Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Is this on? Oh, yeah. Wow. Welcome to our grand opening. So I wondered what a grand opening was all about. So I went to the person that I thought would be able to tell me. I Googled it. And I found out that an opening, grand opening, is a celebration of the official opening of a newly constructed location or the start of an event. So today, we are in a celebration of a new construction. Something new has begun. And we're so excited here at Victory Center. I have a scripture I want to read you. Uh, it's in uh, uh, Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, the 19th verse. I want to read it out of the Amplified first. Isaiah the prophet says what God is saying. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? Let's look at that in the message. This is what, okay, can you scroll down? Message is kind of tricky here. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over the old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting forth. Don't you see it? We see it with the eyes of faith, but we also can see it today with our natural eyes. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. Recently, the Lord has been speaking to us about this building. You know, some people say, well, it's just a building. But the Lord has spoken to us and he said, this is not just a building. This is a new wineskin. You had the old wineskin, and you could do so much in the old. But to expand like new wine expands, you need a new wineskin. And that's what this is all about. Our God is expanding us. He's expanding the ministry. And he's going to expand what he wants to do in your life as well. So we're looking forward to what God's going to do. And so we're so grateful for all of you that came to join us today. Uh, I know that some of you came from a long distance. And we're excited that you came. I wish we could just spend time with every one of you and visit. But thank you for coming and joining on this great day with us. And so all I have left to say is let the celebration begin. So stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe that there's nothing that our God can't do? Do you really believe that? Well, one guy on the front does. Let's hear a big amen. You know, I really like what Pastor Margaret had to say just a minute ago about how, what, what a grand opening is and what it celebrates and my, I just jumped, and my, that my, my, my spirit just jumped 
when she said it's celebrating an event. You know, this building, this building's a great building. Praise God for this building. Thank you for all that you've done to see that this building has come to pass. You know, you guys have partnered in what God is doing here. But I'm excited about the event. I'm excited about what God is fixing to do in this place. I'm excited to see the lives that are changed, the people that are saved, the people that are set free, the chains of bondage that are broken off of people's lives. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I'm excited about. Woo. That's right. I better get an amen from that or y'all going to have to sit down and do something. I don't know. Get excited. I'm excited about what God's doing. Well, find somebody, and there's surely, there's got to be somebody that you don't see very often. You know, just right there close to you, just say hi to them, give them a fist bump, an elbow bump, something, shake their hand, and you all may be seated. Hallelujah. As glad as we are that all of you came this morning, I'm so glad that our God is in this place. We had someone that came in at our open house yesterday and they came all the way from Amarillo. And as he stepped into the sanctuary, he began to prophesy over this place. And he said, they're gonna, they're gonna be hearts that are mended here. He says, they're gonna be lives that's gonna be turned around here. There's going to be people who's healed and delivered in this place. He said, the glory of the Lord is in this place. I can feel it. And as we were singing, God is the way maker. And it's all about him. It's all about him. And what we see with our eyes is all because of him. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful. You may be seated. Well, this morning I get the privilege of uh, introducing our special guest. But you might not know that we have a history with this woman. And uh, we do have a long history because we have been, we started Victory Center uh, in 1977, November the 6th, 1977, which was almost now 46 years ago. And um, we want to just give a little short history. It's good to look where we've been. Then we can really appreciate where we are today. So we've got just a little short video to depict the history of Victory Center. It all started with a word from God. In 1976, during a meeting at the Collinsville Friends Church, just north of Tulsa, God spoke a word of prophecy given by Billy Brim to Charles and Margaret. You will go to a place of unplowed ground. There you will plow, you will plant the seeds of God's word, but don't be afraid of stony faces or be moved by them. God will be doing a work in their hearts that may not show on their faces. Someday you will stand before the master and say, Master, here is the fruit from the unplowed ground. The master will look at you and say, Well done, now good and faithful servant. 
On November 6, 1977, the first service was held as a bona fide church. Victory Center was born. Something new and exciting had been birthed. Every week, excitement grew as Victory Center met in the remodeled filling station across from the South Pizza Hut on Highway 54. Victory Center's first special speaker was Billy Brim. She came to minister in the unplowed ground that she had prophesied about the year before. Soon, the small building was too little. Nothing seemed available except an old flower shop which had been vacant for several years. It had become a playground for all the homeless cats and mice in the neighborhood. Thank God he sees things that are not revealed to the senses. Victory Center's family soon occupied building number two, which is now the Taquiera La Hacienda. Yet again, Victory Center flourished and soon outgrew the building. And again, a suitable church was nowhere to be found. Pastor Margaret desired that one day, Victory Center would have a building that looked like an actual church. Had the time finally came? A few days later, Pastor Charlie came up with a harebrained idea of looking at the Chevrolet dealership building which had just gone on the market as a possible location for the church. To Margaret, the idea of a converted car shop for a church was not too appealing. However, after being persuaded to at least look at the building, she knew that it was the next step in the life of Victory Center. And we, as the Victory Center family, thrived there for many good years. We were taught what it means to live by faith and how to walk in love as one body. Many were married there. Many said goodbye to loved ones who went home to be with the Lord, and many children were dedicated and raised up as disciples, known and taught of the Lord. We laughed together, we cried together, as each individual and family overcame great challenges and weathered the storms of life. But now, God is doing something new. A new building that looks like a real church. A new season. A new wineskin. As we celebrate the new, we do it with fond memories of the past. Not with a longing of the way things were, but with a knowing that the God who was faithful on the journey these past 46 years is never changing. He is faithful yesterday, today, and forever, and He will lead us hand in hand through all that is to come. Take a moment and look around. Look and see what the Lord has done. Know that God is doing something new and you are at the center of it. Be open, be ready, answer the call. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand. Look what the Lord has done. I'm overwhelmed, and we actually have a church building that looks like a church building. Hallelujah! <laughs> I get uh, a special privilege today to introduce Billy Brim. Um, you heard the prophecy that she gave us. There, if there ever was one person in my life that has influenced me the most, it would have to be Billy. She doesn't know it, but she has really been an example for me, and I have grown to love her and her family. And today, uh, I just want to introduce to you a great woman of God that is very special in this house. Give her a big round of applause as 
Dr. Billy Bram comes to minister to us. Okay. <laughs> Woo. What a blessing what to be a, a blessing. What a be an influence in your life. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Bless we thought God. that uh, since she was the first speaker in our first building, she needed to be the only, first speaker. Only apropos, in our, sure. Amen. Oh, you may be seated. And is, are, turn all the lights on. Let me see your faces. Are those all the lights? Well, we believe in God for more lights. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Isaac. Um, glory to God. It's wonderful to be here with you. Um, I want to introduce my family that is here. Uh, yes, please, bring me that, Isaac. And your dad and mom come up. Bless the Lord. This is my grandson, Isaac, and he's famous for having been to heaven three times without having to die to go there. And he is the son of Terry, and Terry is a graduate of uh, Panhandle State University. And this was uh, his church when he was here those years, and some amazing things happened with him. Uh, here. Uh, this is his wife. All my, both my sons, Chip and Terry, married over. You know, they married higher. Uh, they married up. Bless the Lord. So this is Lynn. And um, Terry, we could actually, we could have a whole session on all the supernatural things that happened in Terry's life here in Panhandles at, while he was here at this in Guymon. And tonight, we're going to have him share with you how he thought he'd miss the rapture. <laughs> and it is very exciting, bless the Lord. Um, amazing things happened, amazing things happened here. He, uh, in my book, The Blood and the Glory, uh, where I'm talking a lot about the blood and how to use that, uh, there's an example of what happened to him when he was here. And he had moved in with a bunch of guys he had lived in Guymon most of the time, but then he moved in uh, with some guys in a trailer to Goodwill. And they weren't exactly living for God. And they were in the one place gambling and smoking and drinking. And he was back in his bedroom, and the devil lifted his bed up off the floor several inches. And that adventure is in here. And, but some more wonderful adventures are when he had a time in his life. Tell a little bit about Have you got a microphone? Uh, I'll let you have about, oh, I don't know, two minutes. Uh, about that, how you sought God and just, just what happened there. You have to make it fast because i got a lot to say. All right. I wasn't expecting this, but uh, this was a long time ago. I graduated, oh gosh, in the 80s. So uh, anybody here during the church? During you the have 80s? to hurry up now. You okay. don't get to have a roll call. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I had a job uh, working with Roy Rice. Roy Rice. Okay. Hallelujah. And he hired a bunch of college guys, and uh, he was a great man, a godly man. And, but uh, during that time, the oil industry took a real change. Um, we, we had noticed some change. Do you want me to go into all this now? The bottom dropped out. Well, yeah. I, I wanted him to tell. Here's what I want you to tell. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he had a time of went really seeking God. And when he really sought God, he got lifted up. Because I didn't have a job. He, uh, he got lifted up into a place where he was walking in the glory. 
and amazing things are happening. We could tell you one thing after another, things that happened, experiences he had, and even in the classroom uh, when the power came on him in a class at Panhandle State. But uh, we had a little mini book about the malt, the chocolate malt. Yeah, it malt, tells the whole and story. And I wanted that book here. So it's a little mini book, and um, he wrote about it, but uh, this was a, a supernatural thing that happened. It's a little bit of a story. Do you want me to set it up? Uh, well, you had lost your job. I'd lost my job. Because you remember when the oil dropped like that overnight, and it was, it was, it was really hard times out here. How many remember those times? The oil market and... Well, they, had to let the people back go. then, the oil industry was kind of what upheld a lot of the other industries, so everybody was losing their jobs, construction, whatever. And mom, uh, we, had, we had four kids in college, so, you know, I, I worked. That's what, how I got through school. And uh, so I lost my job, and I didn't have a job, and nobody was hiring. So, um, of course, I'd go over to uh, Rice, Roy Rice's place and, and uh, you know, ask him, does it look like it's going to come out of it? Because sometimes it did. And then one day I went over there and I saw him crying, he was, him and another uh, man, and uh, he was letting go of the family guys now, the um, highly skilled guys. And uh, when I saw that, I, I just backed up. I knew that was over. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Terry, I... I raised you better than this. Right at the time, I was, I was going to places I shouldn't have gone. You know, I had some money, right? I, I smoked, I drank a little bit, you know. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't living for the Lord. But at that point, I said to God, I went back to my house. I was renting a house here in Godman. And uh, I made a vow to God. Heaven, hell, and earth. I said, God, you said if a man would seek you, that you would show up. And so I sought him with all. So I didn't have a job. So He I, sought God, and I he had him. such an experience with God for days and days. The Spirit of God would just take him yeah, down and out. I, I, I sought him. And for two, let's see. Now, when you start making a decision to do something like I did and, and make it with all your heart, you're going to get phone calls. Um, we didn't have cell phones in those days, but... I'd get phone calls from, like from my best friend. He called me and he said, Terry, you know that girl you always wanted to go out with? I go, yeah. And she wouldn't go? She wouldn't go. She finally agreed that she would go out uh, with me. So he me. had all these opportunities. We're going to have to cut to the so chase here. I, had, I refused that. I, and all of a sudden, all these friends, and pretty soon the phone calls quit. And he, you were in the Word constantly. Constantly. I would get my homework done maybe in an hour when I got back. And then from that time to the time I went to bed, I was seeking God in that Bible. And uh, I was never, I never quit, I never quit talking to him. And then this went on for about two or three weeks. I can't say I hit any breakthrough. I'm going to tell you right now, it was, it was hard. But I didn't, I didn't want to break that bow. And uh, he said he promised in his word that if any man seek him, he would. So one day, I was coming in from college, Goodwell. I walked into my little old house, two-bedroom house, and when I, when I walked in the house, I hit the floor. The power of God had come into that house. This was in Guymon. And uh, all I can tell you is this. He got me higher than I'd ever been in my life. And uh, I had to actually tell him, back off. 
I can't take anymore. And uh, then I heard this come into my spirit. Now I know you're my friend. There's something that happens when you make, when you do something with the Lord and be committed to it and not stop and not quit peer pressure. There's something that happens to your relationship with God. And that happened. And uh, for the next few days, Mom, all I could tell you and everybody here is that I felt like God, what God liked to do is get high <laughs> and laugh. Man, and laugh. And uh, it was totally different from what I thought his personality was. And, you know, right now, we, there's a lot of sound waves, FM radio, AM radio waves going on right now. But there's also God waves. And if you don't have the right, uh, like, radio or emergency radio, whatever it has to pick up the waves, you'll never hear. So I was hearing from God into my spirit now. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna interrupt just a little bit. I don't want him to tell you this part, <laughs> okay. but the Lord would come on him and he would just be flattened to the floor. Yeah. He would laugh hysterically and something happened in a classroom with a teacher at Panhandle State and he felt the Lord coming on him. He said, oh Lord, not here in the classroom, but yes, the Lord did it in the classroom yeah. and straightened out the teacher who was in error. On some well, of the things she started, that, no, no, we're not going okay, at all okay. that. Now, you've got to go over to the malt. Okay. What, what do you want me to go to now? I want you to go on to when you heard about go to the malt shop. Okay. So anyway, I, I was able to pick up on, on the, the sound wave of God, and uh, he, uh, I said to God one day, I said, man, I like getting high with you and stuff, but I need a job. And um, he, <laughs> <laughs> he said, he laughed. That's just what he did. And uh, he said, uh, so you think you need a job? I said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you what. Go down to the uh, student union at Panhandle State, and he told me to go at exactly like 1034 and order a chocolate malt. <laughs> so I did it, and I had full confidence because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on his link. And... Uh, I got about seven-eighths of that malt drink, and then somebody tapped me on the shoulder out of nowhere and said, uh, my name's Everett. Do you mind if I sit down and talk to you? I said, no, go right ahead. I've been expecting someone anyway. Oh, I hope I'm not intruding. No, it's you. <laughs> but come to find out, there, there had been a brand-new program installed at... Um, colleges and the Panhandle State was chosen where they bring where they wanted to recruit students and learn every aspect of plumbing carpentry work uh, a lot of uh, even the boiler stuff at there and I got chosen to be there by just getting that chocolate malt and they hired you and they hired me it was the funnest job I ever had they hired him, they paid him, and all the <laughs> skills he learned, he used in Prayer Mountain of the Ozarks mm -hmm. when he became the it. general manager for us. Mm -hmm. So praise God, hallelujah. Thank praise you very Lord. much. Mm -hmm. Who gets this mic? He's, that's his son Isaac, and uh, he has two daughters in their 30s. One of them is a doctor, and um, Isaac came along, as you can see, a little, he was a little older. So Chip calls him Abraham. And they named their son Isaac. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. So, um, Father, I'm going to pray now what you told me to pray. Everybody stand up. You have written in your word that if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
If any man minister, let him minister as the ability God gives. You told me to pray this, and I know that when I pray it and say it, you will do it. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Um, I, you may be seated. I tell you I wish what would happen uh, this service right now. I'm going to really speak to you as an oracle of God. I know I am. Uh, because I came with a message that he gave me. And he actually gave it to me on Friday, uh, August 11. On Friday, August 11, I had made, by the way, I have some mini books out there I'd like you to get. They're $2 each. And uh, I'll name some of them for you tonight. And then we have other books for you. But um, I was thinking, uh, we were going to fly here in a private plane. And uh, so we're flying Saturday. And uh, I had made an appointment. I know this is going to shock you, but this is not my natural hair color now. No, no. Uh, I have to get a roof job every now and then. This is the house I live in. I'm a spirit. I'm on the inside. I have a soul, and I live in a body, and it's all right to have roof jobs. So, um, praise the Lord. So, I... Uh, I, I uh, I had made an 8.30 appointment for a caller, so that's two hours. And then, you know, you get the plane and this and that and around you pack. And I thought, ooh, maybe I better change that because I might be still needing to, to seek God on what to speak Sunday. And I'm telling you, at my house, just walking around, he downloaded what he gave me today for you. It came as a download. And so I know very well this is what he sent me with a message for this, this church. And the key... Scripture is Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the whole key. That's the key. I got to thinking about good works. You know, he said, we're called unto good works. He said, he'll give us all proficiency, sufficiency for every good work. And uh, I'm going to do a work on when he talked about good works. We're born again, saved by grace through faith. But then we're called unto good works. Bless the Lord. So this scripture right here became really, um, God gave me enlightenment on it uh, when my young husband passed away. I uh, married a very handsome Cherokee, and we got married very young, just a few days before I was 18 and a few days before he was 20. And then we had four children, uh, the oldest of which, when we had the fourth, was five. So five and a half, I think. So uh, somebody asked my husband, they say, are you Catholic? And he said, no, we're passionate Baptists. So... Bless the Lord. Uh, they, here they came. And Shelly's the oldest. And she's on television with me. How many of you have ever seen our television program with Shelly? How many WWPs are here? Stand up. If you're a WWP, that means these people are worldwide prayers. Hallelujah. You're looking at a, an ex, a distinguished bunch. Are you on the Wednesday calls? Whoa. What a time we're having, huh? Bless the Lord. So, uh we married young. We had four children young. And um, then when uh, we started a church in Collinsville, Oklahoma, Chip pastors that church right now. Uh, any of y'all know Chip Brim? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, he, he's, he's the bottom of the bookend. Shelly's the oldest of the bookend. Then comes Brenda, and she's on noon prayer. She's our praying girl. And then uh, we have, well, and then comes, excuse me, Shelly and then Terry. And Terry is our general manager. And then uh, Brenda and then Chip. So that's the four of them. And uh, we had them young. We grew up with them. And Terry, we were talking about our, our growing up days. And uh, he said, you know, we had a lot of fun. And we did. We just had a lot of fun. I have these granddaughters who are beautiful and um, old and single, you know. I mean, what is going on here? I talked to one of them the other day and prayed for all three of them, talking to her. Uh, she's the doctor. And I said to her, I'm praying this prayer. I want you to have girls to have what I had. I want you to have a husband that loves you. And, and likes kids and loves kids and wants a family and, and, and commits himself to you. And so I prayed for all three of them right there with that one. Bless the Lord. So uh, I don't know why people have to have careers and grow up so older these days. And then when they have a child, they, they, they immediately think that it's hyperactive uh, because they're old now and they can't take such stuff. <laughs> But when you grow up with them, it's just fun, you know. So that's what we did. We grew up together. And um, he went home to be with the Lord, only 49 years old. And, but, you know, we'd married before he was a little bit, I think 10 days before he was 20. So we'd had 29 and a half years together. And I was so thankful. And all the kids were through college uh, by the time that Kent left. And um, so... We, I was down at the funeral home with his body, you know. And Terry was there with me, and he said, Boy, Mom, could you ever preach spirit, soul, and body here? Because anybody who know, knew Dad knows that he's not home in that body. He's absent from that body. He's home with the Lord. And I know, I don't know if you had an open uh, casket for Charlie, but if you did, and you look in there at that house he lived in, which you loved and honored, uh, you knew he wasn't home. He wasn't there. He had gone uh, to be with the Lord. And so uh, I was kind of thinking this, you know, oh, uh, here he is. He's just 49 years old and didn't get to complete his work and this and that. And the Lord spoke this scripture to me. Be confident of this very thing. He which began a good work in Kent will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. And I was made conscious of the duration. The duration is not until he dies. The duration is until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the day of Jesus Christ? Well, we're living right now in the time when Adam has sold out to the devil. And Adam had a six-day lease on this life. A 6,000-year work day. And we're at the end of that. It, we're living now... Adam was given authority on this earth. The devil tricked him out of it. He gave it over to the devil. So now, then the devil became the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. But the day Adam's lease is up, the, and, and God knows when it is, and Adam knows, and uh, Satan knows when it is, the day that lease is up, then it becomes the day of the Lord. And he no longer has to legally abide by any of those deals that Adam made. So, God was making me know, sitting there in that funeral parlor, that he's going to work in Kent until the day of the Lord. Not until Kent leaves this earth. 
There's a duration to it. Many things we can see in this. God begins works, and he performs them. He's always working, just like we sang a while ago. He's working, he's working, he's working. Now, that applies to us individually. God began a work in you. God has a plan for you. In the Hebrew, it's a wonderful word. It's often translated way, W-A-Y, and it's a derrick. It's a path for your life. He begins a path for you, and he has it all right where you should go until you're before the throne. So if you get off of it, like Terry did, uh, he can get you back on. Bless the Lord. But he's at work in you always to bring that about. He's at work in you right now as you're sitting there. He's working in you to bring it about. So that is applicable to each member of the church. But it's also applicable to a body of believers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, it was applicable to the body of Christ. Now, that's in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1.6. It was applicable and written to a church, to a church body, the church at Philippi. And uh, he said, he that began a good work in you. So there was a day when actually he began the work at Philippi. I am absolutely enamored with this church. I've studied it out. It's, it's referred to by Paul and other places. They were his best friends. They were his best church. And so he wrote to them, um, Philippians 1.3, let's turn there. This is a letter, a letter he wrote to his friends at Philippi, a church. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship, and that's a word, uh, koinia, or koinoia, uh, which means Fellowship as a partner. A partner. Fellowship as partners. We're, we fellowship God. In First in, uh, John it says fellowshipping. And in the, in the Amplified you can see it as partners and partakers with God. See, this is a business down here. We're as partners. And we profit from this partnership. So he, this was his church, Paul's church that he was really in partnership with. They were his partners. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Philippians 1.3, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's talking to the church at Philippi, and he said, you've been my partners from the first day. The Amplified Bible in uh, verse 5 says, I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day until now. We actually know when the first day of that church was. We actually know when the first day of Victory Center was. I, uh, I enjoyed your, your little opening there, your, your clip. Of course, it is good to look back. He tells us to look back. Ask the old ways and the old spells, but then we look forward to. And, um, but Charlie and uh, Margaret Mendenhall, they remember their first days. 
And they had a first day when this church was born, just exactly like there was a first day when the Philippi church, Philippian church was born. So we know that, and that church was born because Paul didn't know where to go. So we read about that in Acts chapter 16, if you'll turn there. Paul was on a missionary journey. Paul had his missionary team. On his team at this time was Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, for sure, and probably others. So now Paul is on his mission trip, and he is praying to God, where to go? Where do we go next? So Acts chapter 16, 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay, they finished up in Galatia. Now we think we'll go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I forbid you. So moving to verse 7. And when they'd come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, they've got another place. Okay, we can't go to Asia, so we'll go to Bithynia. Nope, you can't go there. So far, they only know what not to do. Have you ever been there? When you only know what not to do. So you just be still and know that he is God. He may send you to get a chocolate malt. You just listen. Bless the Lord. So, passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia. Macedonia is European toward. And was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul is the visionary. There's always a visionary. There's a visionary when a new church is born. And the visionary has to have people with him. And then when the visionary, when the people see what the visionary heard, then they join up with it. They become partners with it. And so uh, how many of you have been here a long, long time? Bless the Lord. So you evidently believed that the visionaries had seen a vision and you came and partnered up with them. How many of you are kind of new around here? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Well, you, you're in the place where you say, hmm, I'm going to check their vision out here and see if I can hook up with them. And thank God, we at Pearl Mountain in the Ozarks, I, I got, I, I'm a visionary. And you know, now we've got this place in Israel that's going, bless the Lord, and building, and hallelujah. And we've got, and Chip has just expanded the church, probably at C600, I don't know, something about like this, bless the Lord. So, praise God. Then when you get with that visionary, and you work with that visionary in the good work that God has called them to. You go to the places like God sent them to a place, and there they were to meet these people. Did he say they had stony faces? Yeah, yeah. Bless the Lord. But then he said, the great crop is going to come. And I just can imagine Charlie standing before the Lord when he went up there. And he said, son, the fields are productive. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so um, the visionary saw the vision. And so we, all the people with them, said, okay, let's go with the vision. And they went and they set sail. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, 
We made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Okay, they couldn't go to Asia, they couldn't go to Bithynia, so we sent him over to a place called Philippi. He doesn't know anybody over there, they don't know him over there, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who'd come there. Why did they think it was a place of prayer? Well, they were looking for some Jews. Maybe, maybe some people were there already. And uh, the Jews uh, practiced what they call uh, dipping themselves in the water. That's where we get immersion. And they dip themselves before they worship in the river. It has to be a flowing thing. And so they went there, and sure enough, they found some women praying there. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Theratira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, if you're a seller of, worship, of purple goods, purple dye is very, very expensive. You are a wealthy person. So she's a wealthy person they've run into. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon him, upon us. What does that show us? She had a big house. She had a, probably servants. She had room for all of Paul's missionary team. And so she invited them to their house, the entire party. Like I said, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and then others, I'm sure. So she took them all in over to her place. Now, while she was there, while they were there, you've heard the story of the slave girl who, was, who had, in verse Acts 16, 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl, this is later on after they're there, <coughs> who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. You know, fortune-tellers can know things. How do they know them? By demons. Demons that they listen to, and demons that they, then they'll say these things. Well, sure, the demon's there. The demon knows about it. So, uh, but it's demons, and you're not to have anything to do with demons. So they cast the devil out of her, and her handlers were furious because they'd been making a lot of money with her. So her handlers in Acts 16, 19, when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. Well, as you know, they beat them and they put them into stocks. And the next time we see them, it's midnight. They've got a midnight hour in the natural and in uh, the spiritual. So it's Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners heard them, King James says. It was loud. The prisoners listened to them. And uh, Brother Hagin preaches about this, and he said, it, it could have gone like this. Probably not, but it could have. Silas, there they are, beaten. Their backs are bleeding. They're in stocks. And Silas might have said to Paul, you want to tell me about that dream you had again? That, that voice that spoke to you? You know, sometimes it's like that. 
I mean, you, you come to the crisis, you've heard from God, but the devil puts a crisis there. He, he attacks you. But that's not what they did. No, no, no. They didn't blame God. They didn't say, oh, God, somebody that I know that I've been counseling for years and years and years and been going through trouble after trouble after trouble, and they went through a recent trouble, and they said, where was God? Well, that's, not one, that's one thing you don't want to say. You don't want to blame God. And I know this person gets themselves in trouble by their mouths. And they know what to do, but they don't do it. So, bless the Lord, Paul and Silas did right. They opened their mouths and began to praise God. And so, suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. You know, they would lose their lives, like those uh, Roman soldiers, or uh, temple guards and Romans that were supposed to guard over the tomb to make sure the disciples didn't come and steal Jesus. They probably killed themselves, because if your prisoners got away, you're going to get killed. So there, he's ready to kill himself. And, uh, but Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. The jailer, I'm sure some prisoners around. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced, along with his entire household, that he had believed in God. Uh, the New American Standard says in verse 40, they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So he gets out of jail, and they go back to Lydia's house after they've had a time with the jailer and his household. This is the beginning of the church at Philippi. This is how it started. It really started with that vision, that dream in the nighttime of the man that said, come over into Macedonia and help us. That's where it started. And so they followed God. <laughs> I went out yesterday with Margaret, and I said, I want you to tell me the beginnings. And one time they were, when it came to them, I guess, that you were going to go to Gaiman, didn't Charlie say to you in the car, this is the stupidest thing we've ever done? <laughs> they had heard the Lord, but they still didn't get it, you know. Margaret had heard it, and, and then Charlie heard it, and, but my goodness, what is this? Bless the Lord. And I'm sure there were times in the early days when you said, now, what did you hear, Margaret? Now, now what did you hear? <laughs> Bless the Lord. But they came. And as I understand it, you brought your three children, and then were about three people that joined you at the beginning. That's what's written up on your, on your webpage. And uh, was it Roy Rice's sister who had been walking the cornrows? Who's here that's related to that family? Stand up. Bless the Lord. Oh, my son loved Roy Rice. And how are you related? Daughter? Daughters. You're all three daughters. Granddaughter. Two daughters and a granddaughter. Look at them, Terry. I know you want to get to know them before you leave here. 
But uh, bless the Lord, thank you so much. And so it was um, your aunt that was walking the cornrows. And she'd heard about the faith message. And she wanted someone to come here and preach that message. And how many years did she walk it? Seven? Seven years she walked the cornrows and said, send somebody over here. She was that man of Macedonia. Send somebody out here to the panhandle. You know, Brother Hagin used to get them. They'd graduate Raymond. They'd go to places that already had a church on every corner. Why don't you go somewhere they haven't got one? Bless the Lord. And so that's what they did. And here they came. I don't know if you considered other places like Asia and Bithynia. I don't know. <laughs> but there was a lady walking the cornrows, and she was like that lady that pestered the unjust judge. She didn't give up until he tapped you to and sent you out here. And that's when this work began. And that's when the work in Philippi began. There's a beginning to works. But they are good works. And they are good works which God begins and which he performs until the day of Jesus Christ when there will be a great uh, reward. Great reward. Hallelujah. Probably in this church was Lydia and her household, the jailer and his household, um, and probably some of those prisoners. That was the beginning of this church. So um, the signs of the time are that we're very near that day. I'm going to talk about that tonight. We're very near that day, the day of the Lord. Bless the Lord. Um, these partners, Paul kept up with them. They kept up with Paul. They were such an integral part of his ministry. The whole book of Philippians is a letter written to them. And uh, in Philippians 4 is one of our favorite offering receiver scriptures. And everybody loves this one. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Everybody loves that. But one time, um, we had had somebody who got mad with us. And we had, we had been partners with them for a long time in ministry. And they advised all their people to take their names off our mailing list. And so we lost a lot of people. And our accounting department did something stupid. They did not pay, because our funds were running low, uh, they did not pay, this is out at Prayer Mountain, um, what was that tax, son? A per, uh, your employer, employee tax. They didn't put it to the government. And they just would take the envelopes and stuff them down somewhere and not pay it. And we ended up $750,000 owing the IRS when we found out about it. And uh, I said to the chief accountant, well, I just oiled the, oiled the wheel that squeaked loudest. I said, the IRS squeaks loud. Why didn't you do this? Bless the Lord. But they didn't. So um, I had to do something. I mean, Shelly, I took Shelly and we went over to one of our cabins out at Prayer Mountain. We have cabins for prayer. I mean, we got before the Lord. And I took with me this little book of uh, Oral Roberts, Seed Time. And, and there it was, sowing your seed. And so he has in there this scripture. And he said, everybody wants what the Philippian church had. My God shall supply all your need according to riches and glory. But you've got to do what the Philippian church did. What'd they do to get that? 
go back to verse 15. Here we are. He's writing to the Philippians. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, that was the beginning of it. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. One church supported Apostle Paul's ministry. All while he's going to Galatia. All, he's already been to Galatia. We know the Galatians are there. But the only church that's supporting him is the Philippian church. From the beginning they gave. From the beginning they gave. Lydia probably could give quite a lot. We don't know how much the others could give. But that church was sending him and keeping him on the road in ministry. The only one. And you Philippians, we'll read it again from verse 15. Yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership, that's that word, koinonia again, with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I think the King James says the fruit that goes to your account. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering. They'd send him an offering when he wrote this letter. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So this was the church at Philippi. They had given, and then God met all their, all their needs according to his riches. So here we are. We owe $750,000. we have got this seed faith book. And I said, Shelly, the only thing we can, we've got that we can sow as a seed is our jet airplane. We had a jet airplane, a Bravo, completely paid for. And so I called Brother Copeland, and I asked Brother Copeland if he would receive that plane. He'd given it to us in the first place some years ago. Yes, and they went through it, and he did all the praying about receiving and back to you. And what do you know? One woman. God so often used women in the Bible. And this one woman gave us all the money. For the, he gave me a scripture to stand on. I stood on that scripture every day, and he ministered to me out of it, Psalm 118. And then she gave it, and we we were completely free. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. But this was that church. This was that church. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'd have you to know that it wasn't long that we had another airplane. And even today, we get to fly everywhere in this country that we go. Isn't that great? Bless the Lord. Amen. Now I don't own the airplane anymore, but the person who owns it is flying me the rest of my days. Oh, glory, I don't even have to pay for the annuals when you've got this little thing that needs and all. Praise God. Hallelujah. So look at what we've reaped out of that. Bless the Lord. But this is the church and those givers into that church. If you're a giver into this church, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It is written. And what he did for that church at Philippi, he will do for that church right here. Bless the Lord. And I noticed you got $3 million already. He's done it, and he's doing it still, and that other million will come in very soon. Bless the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Every, this, this ministry, this good work that God started with the church of Philippi and started with Paul, it's like he's going out from their church, it's still bearing fruit. Millions and millions and millions of people are the, right, reading the letters he wrote along the way. Millions and millions every single day are reaping and this fruit is abounding from what the church at Philippi did. Hallelujah. He will do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Every person born again from the letters of Paul, every Christian encouraged and strengthened, every Christian who took their seat of authority, they're reaping the good work that God began that day that they were at Philippi and with a jail and all that. Until this day, it's still going on. What a ministry. I'm thinking when we go to heaven, we'll look at that church at Philippi. And we'll see all their fruit to their account. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, that same thing that he did with that church, I'm sent to send you. The, here's the message I'm sent with. He began to work in this church. And he's going to complete that work. He's going to perform that work. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Um, and I am sent here this morning with almost what I was sent with the first place when Charlie and we, the prophecy came for impartation. And so I'm, for, I'm here for impartation. I'm imparting to you this, this message, which came from heaven. I could tell you it got downloaded in me. I wish he'd do me that way every time. Because I, I didn't hardly have to study. I mean, it was just there. Bless the Lord. 11 days, 10 days before. 9 days before. Oh, glory to God. Now, this morning, you're not supposed to not study, you know. So I was up and uh, going over these things. And he gave me this word. Margaret. That that seemed a burden to you has become and will become a great blessing. That that seemed too heavy to carry will carry you. For from its inception, it is a good work from God and will continue to be and will continue to bless in ways you have yet to see. But will become evident in the upcoming days, yea, the very near upcoming days. Men will flow in great numbers into my blessing here. What you call the end days are just the beginnings and are very near. From its inception, Victory Center was raised up for this hour. Now, we have always known church in a certain way. But it's about to change. It's about to be very great changes. And the changes are moving us into another realm. A realm where we've never walked before. A realm of the supernatural, very past anything we've ever known. And in the upcoming days and in the things that are going to happen really soon... This building won't be big enough. And it won't be just like what you think. Well, we'll have great meetings and 
We'll have revivals. No. It's because of all the changes. All the changes in the world. All the changes in the realms of uh, the spirit. And they're here. They'll hear it. Here. They'll come here and hear what to do. They'll come here and hear messages from God that will tell them steps to take. And some of them won't know how to hear from God. But they'll say, you can hear there at that church. They hear from God. And so, the future is as bright as God can make it. But there are some times here that we're going through that even our darkness in the world, and they're going to come here because you have the light. And you'll hear from God. And they'll know that if they come here, they can hear from God. And many, many, many of the last fruits of this ministry will far surpass the first fruits of this ministry. So, be like those who went with Paul. Go with the vision and say, this is not all. This is but the beginning of what it shall be. And Lord, look here. You can count on me. Each one of you say from the depths of your heart, my God, my God, my God, of that vision, count me a part. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray in the spirit. Oh no, I have not left you individually behind. Know that I'm working in you. Ha <laughs> ha. And soon you will find a change has been made. A change as as what Terry shared with you. Immediately, immediately moving into me in a realm where you can see and be individually. You, you, you and you and you. You who had a spat on the way to church. Peace will fill your house. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Be a keeper of the law. And the law is love. And then you can work in perfect partnership with the throne above. Bickering. Leave it behind. Do not remain in the realm always of the mind. But feed your spirit on the powerful word that is true. And let that word arise. And its work do in your hearts. Knowing that the rivers of God are flowing. Unto you and out of you. It shall be thus and so. 
and ere many days. <laughs> These things spoken of today, you will know. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.